All right, let's get, let's get taught today. This is our final message in the series, Inside Out, Living in the Power of the Inner Man. Uh, this is critical, and we've spent a lot of time, and you can go back to YouTube, Facebook, you can listen to messages. The reason this is important, I'm going to tell you right now, there is coming a day in our nation that there's going to be such collapse that will take place. You say, you're, you're kind of being doom and gloomy. I'm not being doom and gloomy. The Bible says that he's never seen the righteous begging for bread. Listen, if you know the Lord and uh, you're following him, it doesn't matter what Wall Street does, what the stock market does, what the environment does. It doesn't matter how many bridges are shut down. It doesn't matter. When you walk with God, how many of you realize that God is not detoured by natural circumstance? But the only way that can flow to you in a way that causes victory to take place is when you and I realize that resource comes out of the inner man. And if we don't realize that, then what happens is we, we well, we freak. Things get thrown at us and we freak. You know what happens? This is what you need to say to yourself whenever you start freaking out. You need to say... I'm freaking out, which means I'm not living out of the inner man. That can be your own, that can be your own alarm, just like a fire alarm in your house goes off when there's smoke. If you start going, I'm freaking out, I'm freaking out here, okay, you're not, you're not living out of your inner man. It's never how God intended for his people to walk. And so we've done our best, probably could spend a lot more time but we're needing to move on to some other things. But we've been talking about inside out. The purpose I just mentioned was to get you started in a walk that flows out of your inner man, not your outer man. We want you to begin to walk in peace, in joy, and with hope. We don't want you to walk according to your senses, which will cause you to walk in fear and confusion and upheaval. And so the purpose was to get you started, and I will assure you, you will have ample opportunity in a lifetime uh, to learn how that has to be recommitted, to be strengthened, as Paul would later write, and I'll mention again uh, these very things. Um, this is where power flows from. This is where power flows from, is the inner man. Remember Ephesians 3.16, you may be sick of reading it, but we're going to hear it one more time, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit, where? In the inner man. And the promise is just three or four verses later, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. So God can do things above what you can even think, but it's going to happen when you understand that he's working in here. All right? Our focus has been the imagination. We're body, soul, and spirit, but we've been talking about the imagination. And the reason we've been talking about the imagination is because that is the canvas inside of you that God uses in order to paint this preferable future. He begins to cause you to imagine. Sometimes we could use synonymously the words to dream, to envision. I think all of these words 
are in the same ballpark as the imagination. It's where you begin to see with the eyes of the inner man those things that God wants to paint for your life. Have you begun to see some things? Let me ask you, are you seeing some things that God would really like for you to have in your life? I hope so. Because how are you going to get to a place that you haven't seen? He puts it inside of you so that you can begin to see. You may not have every detail, but he'll paint enough that you can get moving in that direction. But our last message today is one that I've entitled Counterfeit Vision or the Corrupted Imagination. Because you do realize that if God has put something inside of you in order to get you into something exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think, how many of you know that the enemy's job probably is to screw up that painting? He's going to try to somehow detour that painting, to convolute that painting, to shut that painting down. And you need to understand when that's happening. And he does it so many times. There's, there's false vision. There's, there are false goals, false dreams. And we're going to talk about that here in just a moment. But I want to read for you out of Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 is an interesting passage, and I'm going to kind of break it down. I want to read it to you just to get it out here. But bear with me as we walk through this, because it's going to be used in a little bit different way than maybe Romans 1 has been used before. But Paul writes to the church at Rome these words. He says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. It's interesting. We we could teach on so many Reformation items here that that there is an aspect of God. God is love, right? But for God to be just and for God to be holy, he has to respond to unrighteousness and ungodliness, which is the whole reason for Jesus Christ and the atonement. And so there there is the wrath of God. We even see it in the New Testament, and it's unveiled against ungodliness, unrighteousness, who it says of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them. In other words, Paul is saying this, that inside of every human being, there's this God factor that, that is inside of men, letting them know that there is indeed a standard, a plumb line, a God. There's something in them that bears witness to their conscience. Uh, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Again, great passage telling us that all you have to do is open up your eyes and look around, and how can you not see God? How can you not believe there's a God? In fact, the only way way you can discount the existence of God is by virtue of a veil being put over your eyes, just by the way all of creation works. Uh, clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So every man one day will stand before God having no excuse as to his existence. Because although they knew God, and when they say knew God, it's not talking about having a relationship with the Lord. At this point, he's talking about that they knew that there was a God that existed they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful. Interesting, great, grateful again. They weren't grateful. But became what? Futile in their thoughts. In fact, some of the translations would be in their imaginations. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. 
They became fools. Counterfeit vision, corrupted imagination. Now, it should come as no surprise that your imagination, just like anything in life, can be corrupted and your vision can be counterfeited. Satan's plan, interestingly, oftentimes, uh, after you're born again, of course, his first plan is he wants to keep as many people deceived as possible so they won't be born again. So Satan is at work in the world doing everything possible in order to keep men and women in the dark in order that they won't respond to God who's reaching out to them with a salvation promise. And so that's his first, his first strategy is to stop people from getting saved. But once you're born again, once you're saved, does that mean the devil goes and hides in some cave somewhere and says, I lost them, so I'll just work somewhere else? No, no, that isn't the case. In fact, his next his next plan of attack against the believer oftentimes is that he will convolute or he will counterfeit legitimate things of God in order to frighten you, to scare you, to cause you to be dubious of certain things so you won't access that which is rightfully yours in him. If he can keep you detoured as a believer... He can effectively cause your life to be no better than an unsaved person because you've, you've been blinded as a believer to the possibilities of what is available in Christ Jesus and what may be available with regards to his work in your life. And can I just say, because I get in these conversations a lot these days, that, that Satan counterfeits just about everything. The Bible tells us that there are counterfeit apostles. There are counterfeit prophets. They call them false apostles, false prophets. There are false teachers. Um, there's uh, lying but signs and wonders, the Bible says. Now, hear me when I say this. If there's a counterfeit, what that says to you is this. That if there's a counterfeit, there has to be a reality that exists in order for that to be counterfeited. In other words, you can't counterfeit a $3 bill. You know why you can't counterfeit a $3 bill? It's because there's no such thing as a $3 bill, right? So that's silly. But you can counterfeit a $100 bill because a $100 bill exists. So when you read about false apostles, false prophets, lying signs and wonders, and all the counterfeits that exist, what this tells you is that they can't be counterfeited unless there is a reality that exists. So I understand that there are people who have taken the name apostle or the title apostle and have twisted it. I get it. But, but, but their twisting of it does not mean there is not a real apostle. Just they, because they twist the prophet does not mean there can't be a real one. Or just because there are lying signs and wonders doesn't mean that there aren't genuine signs and wonders. I tell you this to remind you of the fact that what the enemy wants to do in your life is to twist things, to corrupt things, to counterfeit things. And when he does this, it effectively shuts you down. Because if you buy into what some groups say that all this stuff no longer exists, and now... Anybody that says they're an apostle is a false apostle, a false prophet. There's, there's no such thing as true healing or there's lying signs and wonders. Listen, if you buy into that, you know what happens? You effectively shut yourself down from things that you need that are legitimate from God. 
We need apostles and prophets because the Bible says in Ephesians 2.20, those are the ministry gifts that set in foundation the local church. I don't know about you, but I've needed a miracle or two in my life. So don't tell me signs and wonders don't exist because we're all going to need a sign and wonder probably sometime in our life. Okay? So, so don't allow the words counterfeit shut you down from pursuing a reality. It leads us to this point. There are those and there will be attempts for you to embrace counterfeit false imagination. The enemy will try to do it. He'll try to do things that'll get the picture that God wants to paint inside of you to be corrupted. And if he can corrupt it, then what he can do is get you off the proper, righteous, promised trail. So our text in Romans chapter 1 that I read to you, Paul is reminding the Roman church that the mind and the imagination can be corrupted. This is a direct chapter, a pointed chapter, because the destruction flows out of a vain or a futile imagination. I feel super hot here, guys, in the, in the mic. It doesn't sound hot to you? All right, sorry. Okay, as, as, as long as they're okay out here, I can, I can live through it. Um, he says here in these particular passages, in fact, if you'll continue to read on in Romans chapter one, this is what he says. He says that the lie, that the lie they embrace is their truth and that the truth to them has become a lie. Now, is that not where we're living today in our culture? Good is called bad and bad is called good. Truth is now the lie. Lie is now the truth. And this chapter oftentimes is used, as it should be, rightly so, to zero in on the confusions of men and women. Now, I'm here to tell you whether, whether it's a homosexual confusion, because that's what's used here in this passage, and rightly so, whether there is gender confusion as to whether or not you feel like you're a man or you feel like you're a woman. These things are birthed out of a corrupted imagination, a picture has begun to be painted inside of you, not dictated by the Spirit of the Lord, rather dictated by your senses. And your senses have begun to speak to you in order to paint a picture that if you're a female, you're in love with females. Or if you're a male, you're in love with males. And it seems right to you because one, your senses are telling you this is how you feel, number one. And number two is it has begun to paint a picture on the canvas for you that has become a vain imagination. That is not God's plan or that is not God's purpose. Now, this, this area gets hopped on a lot because it's, it's what we're dealing with in a culture, it seems like, primarily. But the fact of the matter is, whether it's this area or any one of a number of areas, which I will touch in just a moment, it begins to shut down your future. It begins to distort your future. This is, this is what I've often said. If, if we give legitimacy to these things which the Bible says are illegitimate, there is no way even as a race we can procreate for a future. So it automatically testifies to the detouring of one's future. So it will lead you to an incredibly broken and bad place. In fact, it's interesting 
But the Bible uses the term futile. Their imagination becomes futile or vain is, is oftentimes the translation. But it literally means, the word futile means foolish, useless, confused, or convoluted. So that's what happens to the imagination. And so our text is talking about that, challenging all of these areas. Now it's interesting that, the, that he will go on in Romans chapter 1 to talk about several things beyond the trendy 21st century futilities. Listen, I just wrote, I didn't put them all down on the screen, but listen to all the things that he says are, 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 are corruptors of the imagination. Listen to this, all sexual immorality. So that includes heterosexual immorality. But then he goes on to say envy, Have you ever thought about that? When you envy, you're corrupting your imagination. Murder, hopefully there's not too much of that going on in the congregation. Listen though, strife, deceit, whispering, backbiting, violence, pride, boasting, inventors of evil things, which I would say speculation, that's speculation, disobedience to parents, without understanding, untrusting, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. This is almost painful. All of this, just these things, I don't even know if I just started writing them down as I was studying this week. All of these things will convolute your imagination as quickly as opening yourself up to a spirit of homosexuality. Now, I know we don't think in these terms. Now, hear me when I say this. We we, we have to address as the church certain cultural challenges with regards to the endorsement of sin. So I understand, I also understand that different sin has with it different repercussions that come from that sin. And that would be an interesting sermon as well. But my point is today that oftentimes we'll say to ourselves, we'll say, well, you know, my problems or my dysfunctions aren't nearly as bad as some other dysfunctions I see out there. And because our measuring stick becomes the measuring stick of who we think has the worst dysfunction, we allow our own dysfunctions to be maintained. I'm simply saying that, that there's a list here that begins to talk to us that if we embrace these things, it begins to convolute the imagination because God is not wanting to bring you into a destiny that you're full of envy and strife and whispering and disobedience. Hear me when I say this. He sent the children of Israel to a wilderness for 40 years trying to weed it out of them until finally he just had to let them die off before he got them to their promised land. Here's the deal. God wants to bring us, you, me, his church, all of us into a great, amazing, exceeding, abundantly above all that we could ask or think promise. God wants to do this, but we will, we are reluctant. We are reluctant to deal with the issues that convolute our imagination now listen, this is interesting because if I read on, this is what Paul says. This, is, this, will, this will really, 
Everybody go, I'm ready for this. Because I read this and I thought, ooh, this one hurts. At the end of chapter 1, as you're reading through that, this is what Paul adds. He says, not only those who do these things, but those who approve of those things and who practice such things. Ouch. Ouch. (laughs) My favorite movie is Bill Murray's what about Bob? He's just so dysfunctional. Every time I watch that, I, 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 I say it out loud, I probably shouldn't because some of the, there's, there's portions of it that, that language needs to be just, for those that are watching online or by YouTube, I'm not necessarily endorsing everything that happens, but I don't know, I laugh when I watch it. And whenever, whenever he goes to his psychologist or psychiatrist and his psychiatrist begins to pinpoint an area in his life that he needs to address as he's sitting there getting this therapy, he starts going, ow, 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 ow. And he'll just start going, ow, until finally goes, ow. And then, that's it. And that's, I was reading that and I thought to myself the same thing, ow. Ow, that hurt, oh, ow, ow. Because it says, this is, listen to me, it's not just those who do this, it's those who approve of this. Be careful what you approve of. It may be causing you more problems than you think. Now, I want to talk just a little bit as to why the outer man is so incredibly strong. Why is it that we are so susceptible to these certain things uh, with regards to the outer man? Well, let me just suggest a couple here, and I've got to move through this quickly. Why is the outer man incredibly strong? The number one is it gets fed the most. Honestly, our natural man gets fed more than our inner man. We're living in a day in America where most people, I'm not talking about you, you are the exception. So I'm preaching, I know, in many ways to the choir. So, so don't, don't wear anything on your shirt sleeve right now. I'm affirming most, if not all of you at this moment, but, I, but I'm going to speak a couple of things here that just needs to be said out loud. For most people, they don't get more than about 30 minutes tops of instruction once a week and if that's if they make church every week so what gets fed the rest of the time well mostly the natural man and whatever feeds grows whatever's fed grows and whatever is starved shrinks and so if you would keep that kind of at your fingertips it would help you tremendously because if you'll starve some of the stuff that's coming to your outer, your natural man, and you would feed those things that are in your inner man, you'd be amazed at what gets strengthened and what begins to lose its power. But we, we feed ourselves all the time. We, we watch things and hear things and participate in things that just feed the outer man. And then we wonder why we're so susceptible uh, to problems, uh, to breakdowns, to temptations, and uh, to crashes. Secondly, it's the most natural and familiar. Now, this one, uh, we can all commiserate with one another. We're all used to living in this natural body. And, and there's a part of the natural body that's important. It's what we're housed in. It's got to carry me through a lifetime. And so I become familiar with it. I need to take good care of it. And, and these things are appropriate. But the fact of the matter is that when we begin to think and function and make decisions, rarely do we do it instantly out of the spirit or out of the inner man but we usually 
make it out of the outer man because it's just the most familiar and natural part of who we are. And then lastly, it is always the first consideration of what we yield to. The first consideration of what we yield to. In other words, when you're in a circumstance or you're in a situation, a bad spot, something's getting thrown at you and your senses ignite, is it not true that the first consideration is, I don't like how this feels, I don't like what this looks like, I don't like anything about this. Your senses, your senses are the first things to erupt and so instantly we say to ourselves, what must I do in order to appease my senses? And that causes us, instead of navigating it uh, spiritually, we navigate it naturally, and we find ourselves oftentimes uh, detoured, and oftentimes the picture gets repainted. Um, I know some folks recently have gone through job changes, uh, job losses. Is it not true that you, you, like you lose a job and instantly fear jumps you? You know, you, you've got a bank account you've got to think about. All these things are jumping you. And instantly we start panicking because our senses are telling us panic, panic when we should be still and know that he is God. But how, how does that happen? Well, it happens when the inner man has been strengthened. Now, what must we do to combat then this vain imagination or what must we do to make sure that the picture that's being painted inside of us is the correct one? There's a passage uh, in Ephesians Chapter 4, verses 17 through 24, that's interesting. Hey, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn there real quickly. Ephesians, chapter 4. And there's an interesting passage I need to read quickly. Beginning with verse 17, Paul writes this in Ephesians 4. He says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feelings have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you, talking to the Ephesians, have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. But he goes on to say that you put off. Everyone say that. Say put off. Come on, one more time. Put. So he's saying, how do I keep from walking in futility or vanity of the mind? He says here to put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And in verse 23, it says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, I'm going to start first with the put off. What must you do to break vain imaginations and to make sure the picture's getting painted appropriately? Remember the word, Paul says it here, put off, that you would put off certain things in order that you might be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, I want to put this simply, and I'm going to belabor the point here for just a moment. There are things you must decide to get rid of. 
having someone pray for you is okay, but about all that we can pray for you is this, that God give this person the strength to do what they must do in order to put off certain things to protect God-inspired genuine imagination and combat futile imagination in order that they can begin to be renewed in the spirit of the mind. I, th- th- that phrase, spirit of the mind, is such a great phrase because I, through the years, have read that and read that and it has plagued me because, because I understand this body, soul, and spirit. I understand that we are made triunely. And within the soul, there is the mind, the will, and your emotions within the soul. And, and so I believe this to be true, but then Paul says that within the mind, there is the spirit of the mind. And I've often said, what is the spirit of the mind? And so I have taught different things through the years because I'll read that and I'll say, man, what Paul was trying to tell us something and, and what is that that we can get a hold of that? And sometimes I thought it to be the subconscious, something that's latent, the spirit of the mind, something that's latent in you. But then as I've also read, and again, I, I'm not the last say on this. Bishop probably has some great ideas on this subject as well. And uh, we, we could be all right, we could be all wrong. <laughs> but I also wondered in the spirit of the mind, if it couldn't be that part of the mind, that is the imagination. The dreaming part of the mind, the spirit, the spirit of the mind. And it just caused me to wonder, how is that part renewed? How is that part maintained? How is that part protected and again if i could read through all of ephesians 4 which i encourage you to do and i'm going to move through this quickly to read through all ephesians 4 you will kind of see a list that paul again creates of things that are toxic to dreaming lying anger and then he says this one that i want to pick up on giving place to the devil he says don't give place to the devil Have you ever asked yourself the question, do I ever give place, do I ever give opportunity to the devil? I I, I think that's a a sensitized area. You you know, early in the renewal movement, and again, we're not trying to recapture old things, and I understand some of the things we did were probably crazy, but some of the things I think we did were important. Hear me when I say this. We trained our children. This is funny. We trained our children that there were certain cartoons that they could and could not watch. There were things that they could watch and it was okay, but there were other things they couldn't watch. I don't remember all the names of the shows. You may remember some of the names of the shows, but I remember one name had to deal with, they were, they were dealing with uh, evolution all the time, and we didn't want our children trained in evolution. So we said, you can't watch that. And I, some parents thought we were silly by doing that. And there were other shows. I'm not going to name shows. Because as sure as I name a show, someone will come up to me and either want to debate me on the show or add to the list of shows or, or tell me that some show we let our kids watch probably wasn't a good show to let them watch. I'm not here to just get into all of that, but I am here to simply make this note that, that we did this with our children because we were not going to give place to the devil. That's a part... That's a part of our responsibility. We must not give place to the devil. I understand that not everything is sin. But here's the question. It may not be sin, but is it giving place to the devil? 
Now, I can't codify all of these things for you. You're going to have to ask yourself some questions. Again, to this day, now we grew up in a church where it was just anathema. It was wrong to go to a movie house. I mean, it was just, we, you just didn't do it. Or man, that was a stigma to go to the movie house. That's what we grew up in. And am I saying that all movies are wrong? Well, of course not. Because, because the debate people would say is, what about Bambi? What if you go see Bambi? What's evil about Bambi? What's evil about this? And the fact is there did tend to look to be an inconsistency or even a hypocrisy at times. So am I saying that all movies are bad? The answer is no. But the key isn't so much just are they bad. The key is does, are there things that give place to the devil, give opportunity to the devil? I, if you aren't asking yourself that question at times, then you're not protecting your imagination. So how much, how much adultery, fornication, homosexuality, how much do you have to watch before it exceeds the appropriate level of giving place to the devil? If you aren't asking that question, you need to. I understand you can't hardly go anywhere anymore that you aren't confronted with all kinds of things that you just have to go, really, do you have to do that? And you just have to walk on. So I'm not this old, religious, legalistic prude. But I don't think it's wrong to ask you the question, okay, then, then if you don't like where maybe my personal lines are, where's your line? Or do you have any? I just think it's a great, because what you're protecting is, you're protecting a future. You're protecting an imagination from becoming futile. I put this on about putting off. This includes giving no place to the devil. Listen, I'm going to run through this. I'm just going to walk through this real quick. Open doors are the greatest singular issue with regards to screwing up your imagination. Open doors. Twelve practices that open doors, that, that open doors to a curse. Now, this is interesting. I went through the Bible super fast. We, we've taught this before in encounters when we've gotten there. And I just want to walk through this real quick because this, this is going to mess up your future. Uh, the Bible says anti-Semitism. Interestingly, uh, probably any prejudice would do this, but anti-Semitism, oh, which, is, which is hating Jewish people. Sorry. Anti-Semitism is hating Israel or hating Jewish people. I'm not an Israel worshiper, but I understand that the Jews find a unique place within god's economy so anti-semitism can't happen it says it produces a curse idols things you worship and that doesn't mean you sing songs to you know you, you sing songs to your car or something like that we're not talking that that's not what an idol an idol is is when you value something more uh, than it should be valued just general disobedience to god the bible tells us in deuteronomy 28 can open up a curse misusing god's name uh, if you use God's name in a, uh, well, a cursing matter or in a way that's, that's inappropriate, uh, uh, being a non-tither or stingy. You know, I, it's been a long time since I've done a stewardship message, but, but the Bible says that he who lends to the Lord, or he who lends to the poor, gives to the poor, lends to the Lord, and he who is a debtor to no man will repay. Let me tell you, there's something about generosity that moves God's heart. Tithing is a part of God's economy that clearly says in Malachi that if, if we're not tithing, that it opens the door to a curse. I know people don't like to hear it. They don't believe it. You live your life the way you want to. I'm just telling you, these are ways that mess up your future. Or the neglect of God's house. 
disobedience to appropriate delegated authority, injustice towards the weak. If you want to know why I get involved in pro-life aspects, it's because one of the reasons America right now is struggling is because of how we deal with preborn children. Uh, and, and, it's, and it's these things are messing up our destiny. It's messing up our vision. It's messing up. It's messing up God's portrait and painting for what he has for us as a nation, as a people, and it will do the same for you as an individual. Now, what's the answer to all of this? I could spend a lot of time pounding and thumping those drums. I'm going to believe the Holy Spirit will take that and, and minister anything appropriately that needs to be ministered to you. But the second thing he says is you put off the old man and you put on what? The new man. Put on simply... Put again, there are things that God provides for you, but you must decide to embrace them. You must put them on. In other words, you've got to put some energy to it. It's like the person that used to say to me, well, I'd speak in tongues. If God comes down and makes me do it, I'm open for it. Well, no, God's not going to come down and grab your tongue and just make you flap it. That's not how it works. There, there's, there's a biblical concept that's called cooperation. And you must cooperate because God is not going to come and leverage you, manipulate you, tie your hands behind your back, grab you by the neck, and make you do something you really don't want to do. You've got to cooperate. That's where faith comes in. You've got to step into some things. You've got to put on some things you got to begin to do some things in order for God to begin to arise. I believe that with all of my heart. I'm just going to start giving you a list. For instance, you don't need a move of God to be kind or to be forgiving. Forgiveness isn't in God's ballpark aside from my sins. Forgiveness is in my ballpark. Being grat grateful, gratitude. He says you got to put on. If you'll put on gratitude, you'll begin to renew the spirit of your mind. Isn't that amazing? How come I can't think right? Well, maybe it's because you can't think right. That's Twitterable right there. Deborah, did you get that one? That was on the spot. I'm so good now. I'm, I'm, Deborah's Twittering this, and I can take notes on myself later. Goodness. You can be good. Truth. Obedience. God doesn't make you obey. He... He provides opportunity for you to obey. Love, patience. How many of you know, you've heard the old joke, why am, why am I facing all these stressful situations? Because patience is being built in you. Humility and generosity is again mentioned in all of these things. Listen, here's what we're getting to and I'm going to stop right here as we wrap all of this up. You can protect and you can change how the imagination, how God is painting upon your imagination by simply putting off those things. I mean, if, this is how easy it is to understand. If you're going to look at pornography, you, that's painting a picture that is not God's plan. If you're looking at stuff that simply isn't God's plan, if you're looking at things that are, are lying, cheating, stealing, and you're, that's all you function in and you function in it, the painting that gets painted is corrupted. But if you begin to foster, walk, embrace, put on kindness, forgiveness, gratitude, goodness, it's out of that that God begins to paint this beautiful portrait 
of what the possibility of your future can be. The greatest hindrance to most of our futures and imagination, I am finding out, this is true for our household, our greatest problem is not so much the devil, it's us. There's an old cartoon, and this is where I'll stop. Pogo. Anybody ever remember newspapers? Here, go back in the dinosaur age. Back when woolly mammoths walked the earth. And we all got papers and we opened it up to the funny section, the comic section. Pogo was a comic book character. And he stands up and looks in the mirror and he says, we have met the enemy and he is us. Never a truer theological statement has been made. For the devil doesn't have to follow all of us around individually. All he has to do is just put a few things in front of us and just let us do our thing as we normally do our thing. And it's enough to keep us detoured from God's great plan and God's great picture that he wants to paint on our imagination. And as we wrap this series up, I just simply want to exhort you and say this. Don't sacrifice. Don't don't lose. Don't let go of God's possibility in your life. He has a great future. doesn't matter how old you are. There are days I feel old. And then I realize that I'm not old. In God's economy, I might just be getting started. And it doesn't matter how old you may be. You can get started. And I believe God's just getting started with us all. If we'll keep, if we'll keep our eyes on him. If we'll put off the old and embrace the new. Amen? Stand with me, will you?